Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for another week of coffee and chats with creatives and entrepreneurs. I hope that you've been taking time for yourself to make sure that, you know, you're protecting your mental, physical, and emotional health. I know sometimes for us creatives and entrepreneurs, it's hard, you know, to make sure that we're balancing trying to build something that matters while also making sure that we're still showing up every single day. That being said, welcome back for another week, whether you're driving in your car or actually enjoying coffee while you listen to the sound of my voice, while you work from your work from home station or commute into an office. So grab your coffee and let's chat. But before we get into this week's episode, let's get into our industry news segment, What's the Brew, brought to you by Black Nerd Coffee. Black Nerd Coffee is founded by two HBCU grads, a Black-owned, woman-co-founded e-commerce business. As a coffee roaster, they specialize in small-batch roasted coffee in whole bean and ground finish. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Black Nerd Coffee. Coffee nerds, unite. In our first industry news story, breaking it down brick by brick, The queen of e-commerce, Amazon, recently announced they will close 68 retail stores this year to focus on further building out their fashion and grocery model that has grown in popularity. Unfortunately, not every business concept Amazon comes up with is an immediate success. And Holden Bell, Group VP and head of Commerce at Huge, even said himself, just because Amazon is closing these stores doesn't mean that they were amiss. It means they did not work out as well as the other formats. Focusing on running so many different initiatives is eventually death by a thousand cuts. Now, he has a great point here. And I think this is one thing we have to learn when it comes to business. Just because you try something and it does not turn out exactly the way you expected, if you tried it, you can always pivot to try something else as long as you make sure that your business model makes sense. But more importantly for me, just make sure my Prime membership don't go up because her girl needs her two-day arrival, okay? And in our second story, girls just want to have son. Model who, actually, let's just be real, y'all. She became famous because of Top Model, but that's neither here nor there. Model, supermodel, Winnie Harlow, recently revealed the launch of her own skincare line, K-Skin. Essence Magazine, which received the exclusive report, shared that Winnie worked on the line for two years after experiencing extreme sunburn while on a photo shoot in the Bahamas. She was inspired by her Caribbean heritage and her own skin condition, and K-Skin is a lightweight, breathable skin, sun, and body care that uses gentle island-based ingredients to protect all skin tones and types. The line will launch with four products that include vegan ingredients, and also provides protection for all skin types, including women of color. I do know that this is a great way to expand on the current market, more inclusivity in these spaces. Black Girl Sunscreen is one brand that I use. You can actually pick that up at Target, but she is right. We do need to have more inclusion when it comes to the space of sunscreen because all of our skin, even though we all have a bit of melanin, we don't react to the sun exactly the same. And black and brown people do need to be mindful that we have to use sunscreen to protect our beautifully melanin-enriched skin. In our final story, proposing with pollution, you heard that right. Ether, a direct-to-consumer startup, 
that makes lab-grown diamonds from carbon that's been removed from the atmosphere. They recently raised $18 million to create diamonds made from carbon. This idea is not only to give you a shiny, sparkly piece of jewelry to declare your undying love to someone special or really to show off at brunch, but each diamond will help remove a certain amount of CO2 from the atmosphere. And that's actually the way that they're looking at it, the average carbon footprint for an average American. So you can look that up. I don't know the exact number, but that means a lot of pollution removed from the air that's going to be put into this diamond. For me personally, as long as it has color, cut, clarity, and a carrot weight and looks cute, I don't care if it was made out of plants, I'm wearing it. For this week's interview on Coffee with Yvonne, I sat down with Chrissy Steffi. She is the founder of Charismatic Creations and exudes Black Girl Magic, in my personal opinion. But she created her cocktail brand in 2017 after working a full-time nine-to-five and then also bartending on evenings and weekends and just stepped out on faith, honestly, to build a business that she is not only proud of, but it's taking her to a new level of success and able to give back to the community in an authentic and real way. I hope you really enjoy this conversation because I did. And make sure that you support her business. She's based here in the DMV area. And it's just a great time and a great individual to chat with. So get into this interview with Chrissy Steffi. All right, everyone. So as I mentioned, I have a special guest with me today. In fact, I'm missing my coffee, but I should have had a cocktail because of our special guest. But today I have joining me Chrissy Sheffy. She is the owner of Charismatic Creations, and let's first and foremost say she is Black Girl Magic exuded to the fullest. I love your Instagram profile. It's one of my favorite profiles to follow. <laughs> but you. after four years of working behind the bar, she started her business in 2017 because she wanted to have more of an impact. And her business allows for her to connect with people through curated cocktail experiences and support local food systems that combat food insecurity with her handcrafted cocktails and mixtures. She has receipts, by the way. She's been featured on Fox 5 DC, Good Day Washington, Great Day Washington, and in the New York Times to show people fun and fresh ways to craft authentically, authenticity and also aesthetically pleasing cocktails at home. So welcome to Coffee with Yvonne Chrissy. Welcome. I have my coffee. No cocktail yet. No cocktail today. (laughs) Well, you know, as I mentioned to you before, I'm missing my coffee cup because I was like, something is not right here. (laughs) But anyway, I have been following your journey for quite some time now. And I think when I first learned about your business, it was at a pop-up event. When I was uh, working with Rebecca, who's also known as the Black Rebecca, a few years ago. And Mm -hmm. I was just enchanted by your unique taste on spirits that infuses both a cultural reference and also flavorful combinations. So what inspired you besides wanting to step outside from behind the bar to start your business? Um, Just being able to, like, have, like be in control of my income. So when I first started behind the bar, I was like 21. It was my birthday. The week after my birthday, my manager had come to me. I was at McCormick and Schmick at the time. Oh, 
and mm-hmm, on Ninth and F. Mm-hmm. And I was a cocktail server for two years. And then after my 21st birthday, we were short staffed. So my manager, she came to me and she was like, you know, Chrissy, um, you know, what's the call of this leaving? You've been here for two years. You know the cocktails. Do you think you want to step behind a bar? And I was like, okay, I'll do it. And from that moment, from me saying yes, I had no idea that not eight, nine years later that I would be like having a business that I love a lot that is in the industry where I didn't even, I just said yes, because I knew she needed me and it was something to just make money while I was in college. Mm -hmm. So it was like being in control of my income at that point um, for me leaving, because when I transitioned to another um, restaurant, I had been traveling a lot. And my bar manager, she was sort of a hater because when you take people off the schedule, you have to find a replacement. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you have a set schedule and then the bartenders during the week might have to um, cover a bartender on the weekend, you know, it causes a bit of a like people's schedules have to get messed up a bit. So it was times where I would take off to travel and then I would come back and she wouldn't put me on the schedule for like two weekends. I'm just like, man, I can't keep doing this. Like I can't keep doing this. Um, So then, you know, after having conversations with like my loved ones and my friends, I started my business. And in 2017, it was like official. Mm. And see, your journey sounds a lot like a lot of black entrepreneurs and specifically black creatives, when we start our business, we started because one, we're being overlooked for opportunities. And then mm-hmm. two, because we kind of fell into it. It wasn't on purpose. And we find that, you know, and this is just me speaking personally, we find that we treat it as a side hustle at first. And then we mm-hmm. think, you know what, we can actually make money from doing this legitimately. So we make it a real business, but we still have to learn as we grow. Cause for a lot of us, we're the first generation of our parents, our yeah. family to own a business. We don't know what we're doing. We're just figuring out and Googling as we go. So I appreciate your honesty in that you started because they saw you had a talent and then you took that talent and grew it from there once you knew you had the support of family and friends. So that's... Yeah. yeah. And, and my story is a, is a bit different too because like one, my parents are entrepreneurs. Mm. So while it, even growing up, I had no idea they were entrepreneurs, right? I just thought they didn't have to go into an office, but that their business, their jobs were something that they could took control of, not sort of like a business owner or nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't really put those two together. So my parents being entrepreneurs, that's in my blood, right? And then also something that I rarely, rarely, rarely ever shared on social media and on the podcast. I think this is my first time sharing on a podcast that exclusive <laughs> <laughs> I um so while I was bartending on weekends I had a corporate job mm. and I never shared that I had a corporate job because I didn't want people to view my business as a side hustle I wanted them to view it as like she's taking it seriously this is her business this is not her side hustle so the less the public knew the the more they would treat it how I was treating it. I was always treating it like a business. I never treated my business like a side hustle, even though I had a corporate job and had been at that corporate job for, I want to say, four and a half years. 
I always treated my business as a business and me keeping that part to myself allowed for the public to treat me as I wanted to be treated. And so I was in corporate for four and a half years and my business turned five in January. So yeah, it was important that I did it like that mm-hmm. um, because it grew on its own. But while mm-hmm. I had assistance, the financial assistance for my job. And you know, Chrissy, I'm doing the exact same thing right now. So I work, I think, I think you know this, but I work a full-time nine to five as a marketing manager and, you know, that's already work as it is. But on evenings and weekends, I build pink dollhouse marketing. And when I work with clients, I hardly ever share that with them because the perception is, oh, it's a side hustle. No, this is not a side Mm -hmm. hustle. I'm building Mm -hmm. something. It's just for a lot of us who are bootstrapping our dreams, it takes us a lot longer to get to a certain level where we can be like, okay, I have something that can sustain me and this should be my next step. I don't yeah. have the luxury of just saying I quit. One, because I love my job. I love what I do mm-hmm. for a living. That's one. And then two, I want to make sure when I do step out there, I'm doing it in a smart way and not mm-hmm. in the way that's going to burn bridges because you just never know. When it comes yeah. to working with people, you know? Absolutely. And hold on, I take that back. So I was in corporate for four years. My business turned five. So I've been a full-time entrepreneur for a year and a half. Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. And like, and to your point, you're building something. So people don't need to know that you're building something like technically on the side, mm-hmm. but it's not like, they just need to know that this is my business and to take me serious. So it was really important that, I mean, my friends knew, my family knew I still had a nine to five, but like on the outside, no, it was, it was none of their business. Yeah. And you know, this is not on the list of questions, but let's just get into it. Were there times that you felt that there was burnout when you were trying to work the full-time nine to five and then build charismatic creations at the same time? Yes, because I would leave work and come home and send client contracts out for gigs. Or since I had a nine to five and a lot of the bartending stuff happened on the weekend, I would be going seven days straight without a day off. So it was, I was completely burnt out. And November, 2020, Mm -hmm. I was just like, it is, this is it. I really have to choose and I'm going to choose myself and I believe in my business. So it was me being like, I believe in you, little baby. (laughs) And since I believe in you, I am going to do this full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think I, I needed to show my business that I trusted it and the burnout was just too crazy. And also, you know, being in a relationship, still want to see family, still want to hang out with your friends. Like there was just, I lost so much of that for so long, even being a bartender without having a corporate job, you just lose so much time. Mm-hmm. And so that was another driving force to be like, I can't be burnt out. I still want to live a full life. And I want to live this full life with my business that I know has been, I've been able to live this full life on the side. So I know once I do this full time, it's going to be, something's going to come out of it. It's going to go like rocket ship. It's going to go up, you know, all the way up. (laughs) Yeah. And you bring up a good point though. Like for a lot of people who are working that full-time job, 
and that um, building their business on evenings and weekends, it's it's hard on your friends and family too, because you want to hang out. You know, you mm-hmm. want to text with them all day long, talk on the phone and everything. And you feel bad. I'll just say it for me. I feel bad where I'm like, look, I would love to talk to you, but I'm trying to work right now. Or I'm trying to take a nap in between meetings and getting work done so I could at least have some space for myself. And it takes special friendships and special yeah. relationships to understand that and understand yeah. what you are building because you can have the love of your family members, but not their support. Yeah. So that being said, we're going to, we're going to like, you know, shift the mood a little bit because this is mm-hmm. turned into a whole therapy session very easily. <laughs> <laughs> so you've managed to tap into the culture with, these fun cocktail collections featuring classic movies like Insecure, first and foremost. That collection was so cute. And even (laughs) Disco Queen, Donna Summers. Can you share a bit of your creative process for coming up with these unique ideas that I personally have never seen anywhere else in the cocktail industry? So that first started in July, 2020. Um, like I, I had always been like making cocktails or being behind a bar in a way where I know how to make flavors, but it wasn't until July, 2020, where I was able to tap into my storytelling and connect these cocktails to something that meant something to me or meant something to the culture. And so July, 2020, I was asked to do a pop-up. It was back to black and the proceeds went to an organization I chose. So I chose Martha's Table. And the cocktail I did was Flowers for Nanzaki Shenge. Hmm. Um, I did that one because in high school, I was, we did the play. I went to a predominantly white all-girls school. Mm-hmm. And we did um, for Color Girls play. And it it went like up in an uproar because only Black or one woman of color could be in that play. Mm-hmm. And I was Lady in Green. And so it meant something to me to be like, you know what? That was the time in my life where I was like, the first time I really felt like a Black girl who had to like fight for what they wanted. Um, mm-hmm. Because ultimately we had to like ask the head of school, can we do this play? Even though some girls are going to be excluded, can we do this play? And my theater teacher was amazing. Um, white guy, Harvey, he he wanted to do it. So that was amazing. So I wanted to put that in a glass and I wanted to show people um, a bit about myself, how I love theater um, and how Nantaki Shange means so much to the culture. That play was phenomenal. The, the metaphysical dilemma of a Black woman is happening consistently Mm-hmm. And so that was the first time I had ever told a story through a cocktail. And when I woke up that sense, it took off completely into me every month releasing uh, a few sips that means something to me, even if it's not about Black culture, because I did something with Macaulay Culkin. I did something with Robin Williams. Yeah. And so they mean a lot to pop culture, mm-hmm. but everything ties back to me. And how I feel about something. I love Insecure. I will watch Insecure from season one to season six over and over. Like it was the first time I watched it. I love Insecure. The first time I ever knew who Donna Summer was. Oh my gosh, I'm super embarrassed to say was September September 2021. I knew of her, but I didn't know that all those songs. Yeah. 
was her. Like, and it took, I watched clips and I saw pictures and I was just like, oh my gosh, she is phenomenal. And I knew, I knew I was going to do a cocktail about her. I didn't know when, but when February came around, well, the end of January, I was like, I'm going to do Donna Summer. Mm. And I love really it. It was do very Donna cool. Summer. Like Donna, back in, I think my mom's day, she was known for like the big hair and hair, just like oh, the outfits just, and the vibe. Just She gave a look every time she left the house. And I just love how you're so authentic with the cocktails that you create. It doesn't seem like it's a stretch away from your own personal brand, mm-hmm. you know? And that's very important because a lot of times when people are creating brands that are centered around the culture, it either feels like someone is injecting themselves in the culture and then saying, insert black person here. Yeah. Or it feels like, oh, okay, I'm going to tap into this market that I see as lucrative and try to get these dollars that come along with me um, having this product in relation to this culture. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes absolute sense. Yeah. And, you know, it comes to the point where I don't know if it's going to sell. I don't know if people are going to be able to connect to it like I do. But I think since I center my perspective and my love for the business into the business, how I feel about the cocktails that are going to be released. And since they're so connected to me, people feel that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it doesn't seem forced. Yeah. And people enjoy them so much more because it's a story that I connect to why I love this cocktail or this person. And it all just blends together seamlessly. Yeah. And you almost do it in a campaign style. Like the way I see it growing in my head, and this is my nerd side (laughs) coming out. Ooh, I want to hear that. (laughs) But it's kind of like how you see when you look at those perfume ads and they tell a story from start to finish. Oh my gosh, yes. There's no words. It's just visuals. And I just see it growing from start to finish in that visual way, like showing the way that you create almost your cocktail mood board. And then you pull from there and you start to create the spirits and the label. And it just like all fuses in together, fuses, while Yvonne, fuses in together Mm -hmm. into this beautiful (laughs) mixture that becomes the product. Like I just see it evolving into visual storytelling on top of it. Yeah, that's my nerd Absolutely. side coming out. So. I love it. Ooh, I love it. Thank and that you. just came off the dome. Is it, you know, she should work in marketing. Oh, wait. She does. She does. <laughs> oh, so other things that um, we're going to chat about, like I've seen a growth since, and let's just be honest, since mm-hmm. the protests of, what was that, 2020? It feels. Oh, my God. Yeah. So May long 2020, ago. I think. So long ago by now, but I've seen the growth in promotion of black owned spirits from Uncle Nearest to Wandry Wine, Hella Cocktail Co., uh, Black Girl Magic, and of course your brand, Charismatic Creation. Why is representation so important in the spirits industry, in this space? Um, Well, because we pioneered the space. So it's super important that... the circle becomes full again with us being the face of the industry. So black people bought their freedom through making cocktails, like, or distilling spirits. Like, let's be clear. They weren't picking their own cotton, breastfeeding their own kids, um, towing their own land. Were they making their own 
whiskeys? Were they making their own cocktails? No. So we were in these jobs and these positions that they didn't want, but we leveraged them by using the money that we got from them to buy our freedom and our family's freedom or to buy land and stuff like that. So the first mixologists were Black. It was a hospitality position, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being a servant, they were black. And so it was a, a, unfortunately, when you see money in the industry, you also start to see the diversity or the taking over of that industry by other races because it's now money is involved instead of it being a servitude job. Mm-hmm. And so it got reimaged, unfortunately. And then you see, the guy with the tattoos and the man bun and he's telling you all these things about all these things, but it was, um, R.R. Bowie. It was, um, Dick Francis. It was all, it was these black men who saw a way to make money. And now we're seeing more black people in the industry, in the spirits industry. And I feel like this is how it's supposed to be because this is how it started. Mm-hmm. So how it, how it's happened, unfortunately with the, the riots in 2020, but I'm so happy it's about that because black people, we like push the culture forward. We push the spirits culture forward because let, let me tell you whether it's a, like a spirit being in a song or if it's a connection from Black soldiers going into war in France and tasting cognac and bringing it back to our families in the 50s and 60s and us loving Hennessy, like it's all connected. And so we should be able to tell these stories about the stuff that we are influencing. Mm. And, you know, you brought up a good point because hip hop has really moved the cocktail industry forward. Let's just be real. Yeah. For for the young kids who are listening, Hove is Jay-Z. If y'all don't know, (laughs) Hove is Jay-Z. But Hove, when he said pass a Cavassier, like, you know, all these other songs and everything. And when he told us who we weren't sipping on anymore, we're supporting this. Then you have Diddy. Diddy may push a lot of products, but one thing we're going to know, he's going to push that Ciroc because he owns that Ciroc and the percentage of it. So a lot of the influence for why these drinks like Hypnotic and everyone else became popular is because Black culture stamped their stamp of approval on it. And then you saw the sales spike in that industry, but we weren't owners in those things either. So we were making the money, but we weren't getting anything in return. No. And also that comes to a point too, where like the... Black people in the spirits industry be having ownership is so lacking because we weren't able to be owners. Like the first black person to own a alcohol license is Jackie Summers, and he owned that in 1970. Now he owns. He used to have a um, a liqueur, but um, I think something happened to that. But now he has his liqueur again. It's been rebranded and brought back in partnership with Uncle Neris. It's called Sorio Liqueur. And so if you think about it, he was the first Black person in the United States with a liquor license in the 1970s. So look how far like, we have to come from just it being so recent. Mm-hmm. 
And so now you're seeing Black people in the spirits industry, which is great, but it, it's taken a while because we're so far behind because of regulation. And regulation happened because prohibition, unfortunately. I mean, it was a rise of Black ownership and prohibition because of speakeasies. Um, but, you know, with prohibition came regulation and, oh, these people can have this, but these people can't. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of white people were able to own distilleries. But now you need paperwork and taxes and stuff like that. So that leaves Black people behind, yeah. Native Americans behind. So we're in a place now where it's good. I'm so happy to see so much Black ownership in the spirits industry. And I feel like it's going to just soar. Yeah. It's just going to soar, especially with Black brands like Uncle Nearest, um and Ciroc wanting to help more Black businesses, specifically spirits businesses. Um, get a head start. Yeah. And you know what? And one thing I like about how you're building your business, you're not just focusing on one sector, but you're growing it in a way that makes sense. Like you mm-hmm. include like events, branding, classes, and also programs. So why did you choose to expand your business to include these offerings? It all happened organically. So when I first started the business, it was all about the mobile services and me just wanting to get from behind the bar. Like, I just want to be at your event and help you create these memories because let's be clear, the food is great, but if the bar is, is a hit, people want to love your event. Yes. So that was what I really started with. And then in 2018, I saw that there was a lack in market for non-alcoholic, premium non-alcoholic mixers. So, you know, we always had the daiquiri and the sour mix, but there was no like all natural mixer that was good mm-hmm. in the market. And so I said, you know what? If no one can hire me, I want them to be able to still have my brand at home. Mm-hmm. So I started with the mixers, partnering with local black and brown farmers for their ingredients so I can put in my mixers. And that happened organically. And then I was just like, you know what? I want to teach classes with my mixers because it's going to be sort of hard for me to sell these mixers when people have been using the same mixers for 30 years. Yeah. So how am I going to get, how am I going to get a mixer to glass to mouth? Like, how am I going to do that? And it was my mixology one-on-one classes that I started in 2018 too. And so everything was like a buildup on something else. I didn't start anything before I was ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a thinker in a way. Well, how can I go from start to finish? But I'm a doer. Like, I'm going to do it. And let me see. One of my biggest goals from, like, the end of 2021 to now was to do brand partnerships. And so how can I partner with these spirit brands to create an experience? Because I want to start curating my own experiences and not being hired. And so my first one was the Spirit of Soul Garden. So everything literally has happened in a way where it was time. And I didn't think of none of this. Like when I started in 2017, I had no idea that I would be getting sponsorships from Patron and Doucet and Hendrix Gym. Like I had no idea, but I did know that I wanted this to be like this one-stop cocktail shop, whether it's in your hand or at an experience. I want it to be like one stop. When you think of cocktails, when you think of spirits, when you think of having a good time, I want you to think of charismatic creation. 
Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I'll have to say when I'm looking at your journey from an outside perspective on social media and various digital channels, you have a way of one, creating a vibe that feels fun, but mm-hmm. also two, a vibe that's also knowledgeable that you know what you're talking about. And I love the fact that when you are creating cocktails, it just seems like we're, you know, kikiing in the kitchen with one of our cousins or something like that. And it doesn't feel like you are doing something that doesn't feel outside of you. And I know I mentioned this before, but it also mm-hmm. projects that same feeling through your social content, which is very rare. You know, I, I see your things come across my screen. It's bright. It's fun. It's well laid out. It's thought out. It's not just you rush to put a post up just to say that you did it. There's actually curated content on my feed, which as a marketer, it just makes me smile. I'm like, oh, <laughs> the brand voice is clear. The colors are there. She knows she's the face of the brand. There's a look and feel to her. Brava. Brava. (laughs) And at first, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, at first, my social media was just like my portfolio, in a way. Like, these are the things that we can do, so hire us. Now it's like, the if the brand could walk and talk, when you come to my page, I want you to feel that. I want you to feel vibrancy. I want you to feel and smell freshness. I want you to have fun. I want you to vibe out. And I also want you to learn about what's happening. Like my biggest thing is once you get, once people get to a level of mixology, they become assholes. Oh, Oh, they are like um, insufferable. And so for me, I've had that happen to me and I don't want to be that black face in mixology that gives you a bad taste in your mouth like I want to be educated myself and to teach you about what you're drinking but not tell you what to drink that's not my thing um because everyone's taste buds are different like I love Mad Dog 2020 I love um what are those things called um I'm catching a blank but um what are those Smirnoff ice like I, I love those the, yeah, things. Uh-huh. Like I love those things. My, the the Baja Bahama Mama. I like oh, all of those. Yeah, and I yes, but I also love a really great spirit. I also love a really great crafted cocktail. And it's not about me telling you what to drink. I feel like that's snilly and pretentious, and that's not me. I just want to teach you about what you're drinking, and teach you how to drink it, and you go about your way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has to be some sort of like checking and humbleness in this because everyone's drinking. So why you want to exclude anyone? Like, I don't want to do none of that. So when you come to my page, I want everyone drinking. I want everyone having a good time, whether it's a no ABV cocktail or a cocktail that has ABV in it. And let's vibe out. Like, that's what I want. And I'm so happy that comes across on my page because that's literally what comes out of me. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point too, because it's so hard already building a business, but then you see sometimes even as a culture, we start to divide out from there and it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel even in terms of who's lifted up and who's left behind. So you brought up a very good point with that. Now as a black woman, black women continue to build businesses at an incredible rate compared to others. Mm -hmm. And let's just be real, the financial support to build that business is not 
the it's like this big it's it's minuscule it's tiny many including myself having to bootstrap their dreams while working full-time jobs like we discussed before so what advice would you give someone who's looking to take that leap into entrepreneurship are there any resources that you can share to help them on their journey any advice even um i will say is you'll never know when it's time but when it is time you will know Mm. um i could have left my job two years before i left but i knew i wasn't ready i just mentally wasn't ready um being at working from home allowed me to prioritize my times a bit differently um i was able to work like focus at work at home which is great because i couldn't focus at work in the office Mm -hmm. so i was able to focus on work at home and then once i got off immediately start business i didn't have to commute home so you just once you know you'll know but you'll never know when it's that time um, once your revenue starts to match or exceed your paychecks, then you absolutely know at that moment that this is, th- this may be it because if you're spending four hours a day on your business and working eight hours a day at someone else's business, if you switch that and just did eight hours a day for yours, and you're already matching or exceeding the paychecks, then you can only imagine the more revenue that you can get by just doing what you're doing full time on your own. So that's when it came. That's what happened with me. Aside from the burnout and me just outgrowing the vibe at my job, my pay, I was like meeting and exceeding the revenue from my paychecks. I was just like, the corporate job is a thousand. <laughs> um, if we did the math, the math ain't mathing. Mathing. <laughs> and so at that moment, and then my fiance is a, a full-time entrepreneur. He's been a full-time entrepreneur for over 10 years. So having someone who's been, been their own boss for a long time, and then me growing into one and seeing the, the shift with the money, mm-hmm. it was just time where it's like, we can figure out the healthcare part. We can figure all these things out, but I think it's time to go. And it was absolutely time to go. And like uh, 20 days later, the article from New York Times came out. So it's like things were just lining up and it was just time. So you'll know, but once that money exceeds and your job isn't like fun and you don't love it, yeah. some people love their jobs and I love that they love their jobs. I didn't. But it's just time to go. Yeah. And you know, that makes sense because what what is that phrase? Faith without work is dead. I think mm-hmm. people don't realize that when you are working on these things, you have to also speak them to existence, but also the universe needs to see the energy that you're putting into making this real. If you are giving it, if you're giving it like less energy and you're giving the energy over here more energy, of course, all this is going to get the fuel to move forward and this is going to stay stagnant. But the moment you shift in your mind that you want this to be just as successful or even more successful, the universe pays you back. It's like, okay, sis, I saw you on your laptop for five mm-hmm. hours last night. Let me send you this contract over here from people who've been watching you for yeah. two plus years and now have seen the work 
deserves consistency. The consistency. consistency. People love consistency. I've had people that follow me that have like a lot of my um, business comes from Instagram and word of mouth. But the people who've been following me, they would literally say, I've been following you for three years. So it's like they people needed trust and consistency to book you. Another thing that I would give advice on is be as legit as possible so you can be qualified for grants and loans. Um, because the biggest thing about it is access to capital. The money just isn't there. The money isn't there for the Black girls. And so when you are as legit as possible, it puts you in a different level of being able to apply for things and getting that money Um, Or when it's time for investors to look at you and they want to see paperwork, it's there. So be as legit as you can. I didn't, I had been mobile bartending for like five months before I did my paperwork. So I don't even count those five months as me having my business. I counted January 2017 is when my business started because I filed the paperwork and I got legit and I got a bank account. and. You know, it made me feel like mm, that was side hustle five months ago. Yeah. You got the paperwork. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I and I love telling people that I do my taxes every year for the business. It is legal. Mm-hmm. I have a bank account. <laughs> it is legal. Like this is not something I'm running on the side, like on top of hoping cash app don't figure it out. You know, no, <laughs> I have I have a QuickBooks system, I got invoice, like it is legal system. And I think you make a great point. In order for we us to grow our dreams, we have to take the time to invest in them. Like it didn't take me taking out a ten thousand dollar plus loan to get my business started. I took one of my bonuses, not a huge bonus, but one of my bonuses as the investment capital for the startup cost for my business. Mm. Then when that year passed after making my business official, I then took my taxes and I took that money and I bought my MacBook and I've reinvested mm. back into myself again. And every time I made something. I put it right back into the business to the point now that I have enough revenue coming in that I don't have to keep, you know, getting it. Snatching. Yes, snatching. But now I'm building capital on my own while still having income to build a business. So it does time. But the moment you change in your mind that this is something you want to do, you got to make those sacrifices. So it could just keep growing from there. So I appreciate you saying that. Now, one thing I do appreciate too, which is something that I'm working on to launch eventually, but you have your Fairhill Dreams, Inc., which is your nonprofit that you created mm-hmm. to raise awareness and enrich our communities, focusing on education, professional development, financial literacy, fashion, and art. And one of those initiatives that you have is the Spirited Soul Garden Project, which combines mm-hmm. your love of sneakers and cocktails. By the way, your sneaker game is fire. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it combines the love of those things to help people purchase shoes for those in need. So what inspired you to expand your Charismatic Creations brand to start this nonprofit? So Fairhill Dreams, um, I grew up on Fairhill Drive. And so Fairhill Dreams, Inc. Um, came about because Living in that house with two entrepreneur parents um, and everyone that majority of the people who came out that house that was raised, we're hustlers. 
And so it was like, we have dreams, um, but sometimes your dreams need to be pushed by other people to help you get there, or you need money, or you need some sort of development. So I thought of Fairhill Dreams, um, and I put that out there, and I made it official because I want to come back into my community and help our dreams, like, literally become, like, reality. Because it's possible. You just need community. Like, you really have to cultivate community in order for you to see other things grow. And so the Spirit of Soul Garden came about. I had thought about the Spirit of Soul Garden way before I thought about the nonprofit. And I was like, I love sneakers. I love educating people on spirits. And I love agriculture. Like, we, everyone needs to know more, more about Black and Brown farmers in the area. It's so many of us. So they need to know more about them. So how can I do that? So in that project, we um, highlighted two black and brown farmers in the D.C., Maryland area who I also partner with. And so we purchased things from them, but we highlighted them so people can know about them. Um, we got some spirit sponsors and we did cocktails and um, 30 percent of the proceeds for those cocktails went to us purchasing shoes and providing them to a nonprofit who distributes them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I sat on this, I sat on this for like eight months. Like I always, I wrote everything down, but then like I woke up in August of 2021 and I was like, I'm going to do this. It's time. What I'm waiting on. And I started sending out my pitch decks. And then September, 2021, that's when we had our first spirited soul garden. And it was a it, it was like a block party outside in Northeast um, in the Union Market area. And we had a DJ, we had a 360 camera. Like it was like the vibe that I always wanted to curate on my own. And that was the beginning of my curation. And it was beautiful. Yeah. And so now I'm going to, now with the nonprofit, all of the curations that I do on the community side is going to be filter in that and the nonprofit is going to put them on in conjunction with charismatic creation. That is so dope. And I think you just made it seem so real because people think that when black people start businesses that we're not thinking about our communities, a lot of times part of the reason why we're starting a business is to give back (laughs) to our community, you know, and it's, it's just Mm -hmm. like, it's just so refreshing to see that, even though you reach a level to success, we never forget where we come no, from. We're ever. always keeping our community in the back of our mind and we're carrying them on our shoulders as we move forward. And this is just an example of how you can move forward and be successful, but still remember, hey, I'm still a girl from around the way. I still love y'all. I want y'all to do great because I see a lot of myself in you at the same time. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm going to help you be successful too. So I think that's a wonderful thing to do. But I really want to know, because you're doing so many great things in the community and your business, what is next? What can you tell us? Because I know you always hustling. <laughs> I know you can't tell everything, but I know you always hustling. <laughs> so what is next for Charismatic Creations? Like, are we going to have a sip in summer in the streets? Is there a maybe like a sneaker that you will design to, you know, for your charity to give back? What is she doing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So, like I said, one of my biggest things is brand partnerships. I want to do it. I am doing it. And so what you'll see from Charismatic Creations is experiences in the area 
and I'm partnering with brands to curate them. So um, at the end of March, I'll be doing a Women's History Month celebration uh, with Hypnotic. I've partnered with them to do a Women's History Month celebration. Um, in April, I will be doing a Earth Day weekend celebration, and I've partnered with Patron Tequila. And so we'll be doing that in April. And so as the months go on, I will continue to do these um, curated cocktail experiences because I want people to experience things Mm -hmm. like you, like if you, if you see how the restaurant industry is coming about, it's not about going out to eat. It's about going to that restaurant that provides you an experience, whether it's the amazing cocktails that you get or how they plate the food. Like people are just not going out to just feed their bellies anymore. They want to go out to experience the ambiance, to have fun, for it to be memorable and that's what we're going to do. We're going to be pulling up this summer and oh. this fall and this forever. And we're going to be curating experiences with brands that people are going to be looking forward to. Wonderful. And I cannot wait for you all to feel this. I cannot wait, Yvonne, for you to come to an event and feel I mean, the experience. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. She got fit, so I just need somewhere to go. That's <laughs> and then hopefully in the future, like me being a sneakerhead, I've been collecting sneakers. Oh, it's so crazy to say for twenty years now. <laughs> ever since I was, ever since I was eight, I was um, creating. I mean, I was um, collecting sneakers, and so hopefully one day I'll be able to get a collab with the sneaker. That's I mean, absolutely a goal. Put it in the atmosphere. Give it to the universe so they can figure I out how to get I am going to collab and I'm going to have my own sneaker. That's what I'm talking about. It's going to happen. Yes. I'm here <laughs> for that. Sneaker. A Chrissy sneak. Oh, the cocktail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the cocktail 360 or something like that. I don't know. I'm a Chuck. I love Chuck Taylor. So I don't uh-huh. know like the specific name, but I'm a Chuck Taylor's girl. So I would love to design a Chuck Taylor one day. We're going to hold on to that one. So, <laughs> so um, one thing I would love to do with my guests are quick fire questions. Now, this does not have to be a perfect answer. It's just off the top of the dome. I just want to know, okay. you know, feeling the vibe here. If you are a superhero, what powers would you have? Seeing a future. Okay. That, actually, that's pretty smart. <laughs> because it's, it's like I have a... Like I always have knots in my stomach when I'm planning something because mm-hmm. I'm nervous about what could happen if it doesn't happen. But if I know it's going to happen, it will. I'll be able to sleep at night and just be able to plan it easily. I just want to see in the future. I don't. It don't have to tell me everything, but <laughs> it's going to happen, so I can just yeah. kill it. Yeah, just give me a sneak preview. Sneak preview. <laughs> okay, so if you were at karaoke night, what song or rap would you just body easily? Ape shit. Uh, you know, can I at least do the Jay Z part? Could I do the Jay Z? Yes, you okay. can. <laughs> <laughs> and I then, do it at every karaoke. See, my song would be um, two songs, Conceited by Remy Ma. That would be the song that I would walk out to. You know, when they say if you're going to be a panelist, you need a song to walk out to. Conceited yes. is always going to be, always. Easy. Easily. Like, it's one of my favorite rap songs ever. And then uh, finally, if you were a coffee, what kind of coffee would you be? Oh, 
That's good. Definitely something mild. Mm. I know lately something too strong just gets me wired and I'm done for the day, but a mild coffee, it don't even, it grounded. Cause I don't want anybody have to go out and buy no machinery to, to <laughs> grind me up. If I'm a whole bean, just come <laughs> mild and grinded. Mm, good, good aroma, you know, mm-hmm. just get you going for the day. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much, Chrissy, for joining me. I appreciate you so much. Finally, how can people find you and your brand on the socials, you know, where they can sign up for your email listserv? Where where can they find you? Yes. So you all can find me on all social media platforms at Charismatic Creations. And you can sign up for my newsletter. We release a newsletter monthly um, on charismaticcreationsevents.com. And pull up at an event. I'm telling you, I change people's ideas of cocktails and they absolutely fall in love with the brand after the first sip. Yes, yes. So please pull up on me. Yes. Well, don't forget y'all to pull up. If you're in the DMV area, she will be out in these streets all summer. Make sure you pull up for a good cocktail and specifically a good time. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Yvonne. This was amazing. Thank you. All right. I'll chat with you soon. All right, talk to you soon. Wasn't she great? I told you, Chrissy is one of those people that is definitely about her business and is making big moves in the spirits and cocktail industry, especially through advocacy and her work. I hope you enjoyed today's chat. And also to learn more about me and my business, Pink Dollhouse Marketing, make sure you check out my website, pinkdollhousemarketing.com, or you can find me on the socials at Pink Dollhouse Marketing on Instagram. You can slide in my DMs with your questions. It's okay. And I just thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you to our sponsor, Black Nerd Coffee. And I hope to chat with you soon. Bye. Coffee with Yvonne is produced and edited by Yvonne Pearson. Coffee with Yvonne is created by Pink Dollhouse Marketing. Catch the latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.